Welcome to Parenting in Acadia, a podcast brought to you by Woman's Foundation. Our goal is to provide you with quality information from local experts to support you in your parenting journey. Good morning, parents. Welcome to our episode today. We have Dr. Clark here joining us. Dr. Clark, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I'm a pediatrician here in Lafayette. Uh, I joined a group called Lafayette Pediatrics. It'll be two years in August that I've been with the group. Born and raised here in Lafayette, and then uh, so it's good to be back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, happy to answer any questions. Thanks so much for having me this morning. Yes, absolutely. So, summer is quickly approaching. It's it's hot out there. Kids are yeah. out of school. People are going to the beach. They're taking their vacations. So um, sunscreen is important. What can parents look for? Right. So sunscreen is definitely an important part of the overall protection plan that you would have. You definitely want to, in all children's babies included, you definitely want to start off with protection physically. So eyewear, so sunglasses with some UV protection, a full-brimmed hat to kind of protect the ears and the neck and the face, you know, some woven clothes, so like cotton is good. They're even making shirts now that have some UV protection as well, which is uh, which is great. And then when and then sunscreen is also a part of it. First thing to kind of consider is how much we always tend to not use what is really recommended. Kind of the rule of thumb for an adult is two tablespoons or one ounce, which if you think about it, is two of those liquid medicine cups that you would use on a child, I mean, for your whole body. So we definitely don't use as much as we definitely should. Definitely one thing to consider as well is a lip balm, you know, with some UV protection because those can definitely, uh, your lips can definitely get burned as well. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that we need to kind of consider is how often. Every two hours at least, um, especially whenever you're going to be swimming, sweating, long-term outdoor activities, those kind of things. And then, you know, the things to kind of consider in terms of pediatrics, you know, we always have that, uh, you always see on the bottle the SPF, which is the sun protection factor ratings, and that is involved with the UVB protection uh, against those rays. You have UVA rays and UVB rays. The UVB rays are the ones that are going to be causing the sunburn, and the UVA rays are going to be the ones that not going to necessarily cause burn, but those are going to be the ones that have the long-term effects, the sunspots, the wrinkles, cancer down the road. So the American Academy of Pediatrics definitely recommends an SPF of at least 30 or more. That will give you about 93% protection from the UVB rays. Even further than that, you see the ones that are even higher. So I tend to kind of recommend to my patients at least 50 SPF of 50. Okay. That'll protect against 97%. They've kind of found in studies that after 50, it's kind of minute. You're already at 97%. You can never get to 100%. And so after that, it's kind of the same. You're not mm-hmm. going to be having much, uh, much more protection. And the sunscreens that are going to protect against both the UVA and UVB are going to be, quote unquote, the broad spectrum. So you want to look at that. You want to make sure that the sunscreen has broad spectrum on it. Um, you also might see on the bottle something about water resistant. Back in 2012, the FDA did not allow it to, to be waterproof. You can't see that anymore. That was kind of causing some confusion because people were thinking that it was going to have a lot long term, longer term 
protection so they weren't reapplying. Mm-hmm. But the water resistant now has a number next to it, either 40 or 80. And that is determined by the amount of minutes that you would have in terms of what they would think that you would be have water resistance and then you would need to reapply. Okay. So we definitely say reapply every two hours. If you're going to be swimming, if you're going to be sweating, that you do it even sooner than that, maybe every mm-hmm. 80 minutes, 100 mm-hmm. minutes. And then making sure that the everything is, you know, anything that's sun exposed is, is covered. And yeah, for, for infants, you might see on the bottle that it says under six months that you need to talk to your doctor. Mm-hmm. And that's really, it's not something magical that happens at six months. Yes, the baby's skin is underdeveloped. They don't have as much protection, but it's going to be where you can still use it. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing for kids under six months is definitely having the physical protection, mm-hmm. having the protection in it where the hat, you, the the hat exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the biggest thing also is it's kind of hard, but the um, the time that you're out there, mm-hmm. the hottest time is going to be where from 10 a.m. to 2 or 3 p.m. that you kind of want to avoid it, avoid direct sunlight with the babies. Mm-hmm. Kind of another rule of thumb is if your shadow is shorter than you, that means the sun is directly above you. So those are the times that you kind of don't want to be outside with Mm -hmm. the baby at least with direct sunlight so shade that's fine and having some um, protection with the sunscreen but definitely reapplying will definitely help in a child if their bodies aren't that big Mm -hmm. even in an older child I'm I'm thinking of my own kids I don't know if their bodies are big enough for full two tablespoons no and I'm sorry I meant to say and not preface that that's an adult dose that's not for kids that's not for kids you could probably get away with a tablespoon you know, 15, uh, 15 grams on that. No, the, the thirty ounce, the one ounce or the thirty grams is the uh, is the adult dose, and then that can also le- that leads me to kind of think about the um, sprays oh, versus yes. uh, sticks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the sprays, if we're not putting enough with the lotion, there's no way we're putting enough on for the sprays. They also say to kind of avoid the face, you know, uh, inhaling it, not because of the long-term effects of the chemicals that are in there, and we'll talk about that as well too in a second, but the not because of the chemicals that are in there, it's because kids who may have asthma or allergies, that could disrupt that and kind of have uh, a flare. Okay. And so if it, it can kind of start having, where you get some inflammation right in the throat, that might affect them. And so that's why we don't recommend spraying right on the face. For the sprays, you could get away with spraying right on your hand mm-hmm. and applying a coat on there for, just like you would a lotion, but it's hard to know exactly how much you're putting on. And so you might get some spo- uh, some splotches or some areas that you're not putting on as much. All in all, the best sunscreen is the one that your kid agrees to put on. So <laughs> it's whatever you have to use. I mean, they make a bar, which I would recommend for the face. You know, that's fine. That's not a, that's not a high surface area that you could probably get away with on the bar. It kind of looks like a deodorant stick mm-hmm. um, that you could get away with the nose and the cheeks and that. And it's not as... Uh, you won't get it in the eyes as much. They make plenty of fragrance and in, in chemical-free sunscreens that are for sensitive skin. You have chemical protection and you have physical protection. The chemical protection, you know, some of those things about the um, you hear about with the parabens and the uh, oxybenzone, some of these things that people are trying to stay away from. The the parabens kind of have it where they people are worried about uh, endocrine effects having. Um, estrogen-like substance. So they definitely have it where you can avoid those as well. Definitely 
recommend having whatever you can for the physical barriers, which you'll see the ingredients zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Those are meant for sensitive skin. That's where you're going to get your UVB protection is from the physical. So you definitely want to have one or both of those in the sunscreen. So what sunscreen is your favorite? What do you use for your family? You know, brand-wise, I don't have a preference. The one that we use at home, the one that I think is has every preservative and fragrance-free but has the physical barriers, Blue Lizard. That's one that you'll see, I think, at Academy and stuff. That, that's a good one. But just look at the ingredients, making sure that is one above an SPF of 30, broad spectrum. After that, kind of whatever you like, you know, in terms of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Well, good. That's good to know because I hear, you know, parents are getting, let's get SPF 100. It's, you know, it protects more, but that's good to know that at 50 it, it covers. Right, and I don't want that to be where if 100 because an SPF is what, what it was. It's kind of a confusing thing. It's it's meant to know. It's meant to kind of correlate with the time. So if you have an SPF of thirty, the time that your skin will burn if you are unprotected, that SPF would be of thirty would be you would be thirty times that. Mm-hmm. So if your son, if your skin would start to kind of burn or, or get warm, I don't want to say burn, but get red after three minutes, then a thirty would be ninety. 90 minutes of protection. Mm-hmm. So 100 does not mean that it's 100 times when you would get red. You're still going to have not as much protection. I mean, you're still going to have just as much protection mm-hmm. as if you were 50 mm-hmm. or a little higher. Right. It, it, it won't hurt. It definitely won't hurt right. if you want to get it. If that makes you, if that helps, you know, yeah. feel better. If it eases your mind. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> won't hurt. So speaking of being in the sun, it's important for kids to stay hydrated, right? Yes. Um, how, do you see cases in heat exhaustion at all? Yeah, you definitely see more and more in the summertime. Um, adolescents are very busy with sports. Some of these sports go year-round. Also, kids are just, you know, we could always drink a lot more water than what we should or what is recommended, but it's definitely making sure that water is the best thing. What should parents be on the lookout for in terms of heat? for heat. One is, of course, the biggest thing is extreme thirst, whether that's a baby, a child, or adolescent. If they are coming in and they're extremely thirsty, that usually means that they are somewhat dehydrated. And you kind of have different uh, stages of that, but that should be an early sign that they need to kind of be inside, take a break, Mm -hmm. drink a lot of fluids. Water's the best. If you do kind of get some other things to kind of watch out for in terms of the next step would more likely be heat exhaustion. That would be definitely some headaches and that's when you start seeing the muscle cramps so having it where you are taking that child outside of that arena whether it's outside or not having them inside in a cool place massaging those muscles making sure they're drinking water that would be about the time that also you could add Gatorade or something like Pedialyte to kind of help with the electrolytes part Mm -hmm. of it that they might be insufficient in that'll definitely help but if if you notice that they're extremely thirsty muscle cramps are not able to sweat they're no longer sweating Mm -hmm. those are kind of telltale signs they're kind of on that road to what you would think of would be the worst would be like heat stroke which usually means that that's usually some vomiting some confusion, lethargy, listlessness, and also not being able to kind of sweat. So you know your kids the best if you feel like they're off or their level of consciousness is not where it should be and they've been outside for a while. Mm-hmm. That last, you know, those ones that heat exhaustion or heat stroke, they also may not be able to take in orally what they what they need. So they, they may need to go to the ER mm-hmm. to get fluids, to be watched, 
and yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't delay anything if you're worried on that sense. Seek help either with your regular doctor or the ER. It sounds like it's really important to offer fluids to your kids like constantly throughout the whole day. Same kind of thing with popsicles throughout the day, watermelon, those ones that are high, high, and I mean, just mostly made up of water mm-hmm. uh, are always going to be good. Oranges for vitamin C and, you know, having it where you're kind of almost annoying your kid with how much you're offering them something to drink, something to eat like that. And also for a little baby that maybe can't eat, you know, after, after six months, we, we're okay with you giving them water. That's mm-hmm. fine. That's allowed. But some of those things to kind of watch out for, you know, dry crack, uh, cracking lips, not making wet diapers in eight hours, not making tears when they cry. If you look in their mouth and it looks pretty dry, those are signs that you need to seek, you know, talk to your doctor or mm-hmm. ER or something to get help, you know, with that. So at least just staying hydrated, staying out of direct heat for those little ones is going to be the ones that can't have solid food right now. It's going to be beneficial. So we want kids to stay hydrated and safe during the summer, but a lot of the activities, outdoor activities that help them stay safe are around water. Mm-hmm. So I guess now we should talk about water safety. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. I mean, um, from the ages of one to four, biggest reason for death from injury is from drowning from in America, so wow. uh, in those ages. So it's definitely something that can be preventable. You know, I think that the biggest thing is is supervision. You know, if whether it's at a public pool or whether it's at, you know, it's your home pool, you, you never leave the child unattended. Over the age of five, you can still be watching them. They still need to be watched. But under the age of five, we definitely recommend touch supervision, which means that you're in arm's length. You're in the pool with them, that you're in within arm's length. It doesn't take much to kind of something to happen. And then, you know, with a pool at home, you definitely want to have it where you install a fence at least four feet high. All four sides of the pool, of the swimming pool are covered or blocked. It has a self-closing, self-latching gate. And, you know, some parents can kind of, you know, you have the option to do the underwater or wave alarms that they, you can have installed that if it's on, there's not supposed to, there's no, not supposed to be anything in the pool. You definitely want to have the equipment available if you need it. So they make they have something called a, a shepherd's hook, which is like a long fiberglass pole, fiberglass because it doesn't conduct electricity, but it's uh, with a hook at the end that you can grab. Um, you definitely want to have a portable phone outside or portable phone nearby so that you don't have to run in if something were to happen. You have it available for you. And then if your child is missing, the first place I would look for is the pool. And then. If you have a pool, I probably would recommend that you um, take a CPR class. You know, it's, Red Cross offers that, you know, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Just something good to, to know and definitely can get you out, out of trouble if you would need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think any parent could use the CPR sure. class, yeah. pool or not. Like, <laughs> right, right. I, I think that's just and, really good. And you want to wear a life vest at all times. You want to make sure that the size is, is not too loose. And if you're around water, whether it's on the boat whether it's on land but near the body of water or on the dock, that all the straps are belted at all times. And even I would say as an adult, I mean, setting a good example, making seeing that you, you know, your kid sees mm-hmm. that you wear it all the time just to be safe, especially in the boat, even if you're not doing anything crazy, there is drinking you know, with the adolescents and with the adults, and having a life vest will definitely keep anything from that way happening, uh, tragic like that, falling out the boat, something like that. But the other thing would be, with these bodies of water that you may not be able to see, you want to avoid diving, you know, especially unless you know, unless the adult knows the depth or tells you otherwise, don't dive. 
you just never know what's what's under there, if you can, especially if you can't see around these lakes and these mm-hmm. rivers and uh, canals. You also want to, if you're in the ocean, you always want to make sure that you're swimming with a lifeguard on duty. You also want to, same kind of thing with the kids. I would say even a little bit older, you want to have that kind of touch supervision where you're kind of within arm's length. And then always for the parents to educate their kids about rip currents mm-hmm. and everything, how you swim parallel to the shore until you're out of it. Don't don't try and swim through it. You'll exhaust yourself and you can get into more trouble that way. And then always list, you know, always pay attention to the warnings and things that are up from the lifeguards about that day at the beach. Avoid those areas if it's if it's quartered off. Okay, now this wasn't on our list, but since we're talking about the beach, it just made me think about jellyfish stings. Yeah. <laughs> what um, is what's the best thing to treat a jellyfish sting? Yeah, so it's it's very kind of like how you would kind of treat a wasp sting. It has to do with the venom and the oils that are in there. So same kind of thing happens where you would, if you have it available, you would treat kind of with some meat tenderizer where it would be one part meat tenderizer and four parts water, and you spread that over that area. You could also just put a half a cup of baking soda in a bathtub and use that to kind of help soothe. With anything, it's going to be your inflammatory reaction. So we can even talk about that with poison ivy and poison oak and poison sumac. You know, some of those things we don't have in Lafayette, some of the, or Louisiana. Some of those are a little bit more on the west or east coast. But the same thinking kind of goes into it, where it's your own body's reaction to that. So definitely having it where you are utilizing a hydrocortisone cream. You don't need anything more than what's over the counter, the 1% mm-hmm. Cordaid. Is, is fine, and you can use that twice a day on those affected areas. And then a, I wouldn't recommend a topical antihistamine. I would recommend an oral antihistamine, like a Benadryl or Zyrtec. Benadryl is a little bit better because it's a little more powerful, and you can use that every six hours uh, as opposed to a Zyrtec or Claritin, which you can only use once a day. And then you want to avoid ointments. You want to go with more creams or lotions because ointments block your pores. So it makes that inflammatory reaction just last longer, and that's not fun, so. The only other question that I wrote down, which, uh, you know, is not super important, and you're you're obviously not the expert, but you mentioned wave alarms. Yeah. And I know, like, you're not a pool guy or anything, but I, that's the first time I'd ever heard of a wave so, alarm. So they used to have those kind of the covers, but even kids, you know, the ones that you could cover, kids would think that it's solid, and they would run through it, and something would break, and they can get caught in that. So now they have these... Uh, alarms that you can kind of put in your pool where any you know a leaf on it won't set it off but if a dog or a child or something causes some some ripple i don't know with what frequency mm-hmm. it would pick up mm-hmm. but um if anything would fall into it an alarm would be going off and so if you have you know kids that tend to get into things that mm-hmm. or find a way to climb over something that's four feet or uh you know sometimes they have it where you cannot cover the four areas around the the swimming pool like let's say for example it's against the house and you can do that but there is a door or um, I've even heard of some kids using the doggy door to get out and you can't really lock that mm-hmm. so having that extra protection might help you know some of those other things that you hear about in the summer which are um, so tragic about the, the the kids being left in the cars and stuff with the heat you know it's so hard if if it's kind of out of your normal routine and someone else brings supposed to bring the kid to daycare or something and the kid falls asleep or not making a sound and you normally do your you hear it all the time you normally do your your normal routine and something would happen and there are some things out there that you can kind of have it's still somewhat new so nothing's really set in stone right now but people have it where 
you just they have this little um, band that would go across your door that even after you open your door it's still there and it's, since that's out of the ordinary you're kind of wondering oh yeah wait why is this latch here oh I have a kid in the back or something um, something I would do I would I would probably just throw my shoe in the back and know that when I got out the car yeah. something's odd mm-hmm. and my shoe's gone oh yeah I have a kid you know yeah. just you know your purse something yeah. you know just to kind of remind you just because uh, the heat especially down here in South Louisiana it can get up to 90s and 100s so quick and then it only takes 20 minutes in the car to get up to 120 degrees on in the car that's off so those things are so avoidable too one other um, major thing I think that we wanted to discuss is mosquitoes yeah and mosquito repellent and deed or not deed or yeah yeah you know that that's kind of having it it's a preference thing. You know, there are some, some people out there, you know, all these things in there to kind of help. And even with sunscreen, too, they have some preservatives in there and some things to kind of help with keeping it on your skin and keeping it in the bottle in the solution it needs to be in. For repellent, you definitely want to have it. Those are recommended for babies or for children two months and up. Under two months is kind of more of avoidance. It's kind of more of a prevention. So maybe a mosquito net on the stroller, having longer sleeves, the pants tucked into the socks, you know, not having open toe shoes, uh, having socks and shoes with the pants tucked in, and of kind of avoiding early morning or dusk when those bugs are out. Mm-hmm. The whole thing about um, DEET, it, it's, not, it, it's not something that will kill the bugs. It's a repellent. So it kind of counteracts with their antenna or something and it causes them to kind of fly away it just not causes them to kind of bother you and you can it, studies have shown that it is safe if it's less than 30 percent on the bottle and you can look and see how much what percentage of DEET is on there and if it's applied to the skin you know some people were, were saying that it can cause brain damage if it if you use it enough it can get into the bloodstream and cause some brain damage they had a I think it was back about 20 years ago, a study that came out where they had, in, since DEET came out, I think in the 1950s, they've had eight kids that, which isn't a lot, I mean, it's more than, you know, more than what you would want, but in 60 years, they've had eight cases where, where kids were coming in with seizures and swelling around the brain and encephalopathy. They couldn't really target, they couldn't really test that that was caused by the DEET, but that was the only thing that was kind of a little bit different, so they kind of blamed it on that. But when they try and do a clinical study for it, they can't really repeat that. They, it's deemed by the FDA and the World, World, World Health Organization as safe. And in countries where and in areas where malaria and West Nile, which is here, it's actually recommended of at least uh, 7%. So you definitely, some people, I would feel like you would need it. So what about the products that have sunscreen and mosquito repellent combined? I usually recommend to my patients that you avoid those because, like we discussed earlier, you're supposed to reapply your sunscreen a lot uh, every every couple hours mm-hmm. at the most, but you don't want to reapply mosquito repellent that often. If you do, that can be kind of dangerous. So just have them separate, uh, stored away from kids. You know, you can get all natural brands. One of a new kind of preservative that they have in there is uh, picaridin. Uh, if you see it as DEET-free, you might see picaridin in there. That's been around in Australia and Canada and Europe for since the 80s. It just became available here in 2005, so it's new. We don't know 
the effects of it or anything mm-hmm. right there. And I think people sometimes get confused with DEET versus DDT. DDT is kind of what is in that. You see the cars, the trucks kind of going by with their kind of spraying for the crops and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's a little bit, that's different. That's different. That's not found in mosquito repellents. But yeah, so I think they have brands out there. If you don't want the DEET, they have the ones like California Baby, Honest Company. Mm-hmm. They all kind of make make a few of them. But if it's going to be where you don't have DEET, you're going to look at the the more homeopathic ones, those are going to have citronella mm-hmm. and peppermint and maybe some eucalyptus in there. That's all well and good. You just have to reapply that more, more often. often yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, and DEET, that's 30% versus DEET, that's like they have them in there that's 50%. It doesn't mean that it's stronger. It just means that it lasts a little longer. So same kind of thing where we were discussing about the, the things with the sunscreen. If it makes you feel better, I mean, they're both going to be repellent. You want to make sure there's no fragrances or nothing sweet because, you know, mosquitoes and gnats and everything will be attracted to that. But you can't go wrong with the other stuff as well. Um, okay. So our, our really our last question usually we ask to wrap up is what's the one thing you want parents to take away from our conversation today? Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing is because whether it's here in South Louisiana, going to the beach, going to the camp or wherever is trying to protect yourself from the sun. So I think, I think people are good about drinking. I think people are good about taking breaks and going in uh, at those peak times. But um, you would be surprised that people would think, you know, it's a cloudy day. I don't need to wear sunscreen. And even then, it may block some of the UVB a little bit. It's, instead of it being – it may block it where only – we're not only, but 70% is coming through, which is still enough. But you're still not going to block those UVA. So just long-term protection with sunscreen, always reapplying – uh, more than what you think, and waiting a good 20 or 30 minutes after you apply before you go swimming to make sure that it's all dried and adherent, I think that would definitely save a lot of problems, you know. And I think in terms of um, if you do have a burn, you know, sunburn is usually going to be a first-degree burn. That's going to be the redness. The blistering is usually a second-degree, but sunburns can never cause a third-degree burn. But the thing is the same thing, where you would want the hydrocortisone cream to treat that the antihistamine and something, you know, an aloe vera will definitely help. But I think all that could be the biggest, the biggest treatment is avoidance and prevention. And so if you use that with good, uh, good care of your body with the sunscreen, I think you can definitely help you and your kids out all summer. Good. Well, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Anytime. We appreciate it so much. And parents, if you're listening, thanks, uh, thanks for being with us. Please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Parenting in a Kitty in a Podcast.